Hey everyone, welcome to Printed and Ship It, episode 11, the podcast that talks games and making games. I'm Chris from Madison, Wisconsin, and of course, as always, Adam from the home of Minnesota commentator, baseball commentator, Hazley Hale, who was the first to say, holy cow, during a baseball broadcast. Dude, that's incredible. How are you, you doing? got potty mouth up there. Holy cow. Dropping holy cows on baseball, holy mackerel, holy oh, salmon. Tis tis the season for the, the the baseball sport, I guess. But yeah, yeah. We had oh. we had we had friends uh, watching a lot of friends watching um, baseball because of the uh, what is it the Milwaukee Brewers, the Milwaukee uh, sports team, Milwaukee sports team. Uh, they they're not usually great at baseball, but they made it to the playoffs this year. So we had people talking about it. So um, yeah, that was neat. Yeah, it's kind of a, one of those very rare occasions, but that's over now, so we can get back to board games. So, Adam, what are you playing? <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, I'm so over baseball. I mean, I know, I like full full disclosure. I know, um, like I like. I mean, I, I I'm not a, like a person who says like, oh, the sports. Like I'm I'm into football and things, but baseball is the worst sport ever. But we can move forward. So okay. we've been playing. Okay, harsh criticism. It's really, ba- it's really bad. Horrible sport. Okay. Um. So, uh, the last meetup, we uh, I, I had a, a new attendee t- uh, teach a game as people were um, funneling in. The game was called Fuji Flush. I had heard about it. I'd wanted tr- wanted to try it out. It's a light uh, lightweight card game. I believe mm-hmm. it's published by Stronghold in the U.S. Okay. And um, in this game, let's see what what are you doing? In this game, you have a hand of cards. You are playing a card down. Uh, you are always trying to like beat uh, the number of the opponent's cards. Um, if I play a 15 and, and you play an 8 um, and the next person plays a 7, then when it gets back to me, you guys flush your cards mm-hmm. uh, and you have to draw a new one. And I, mine goes away and I don't have to draw a new one. So you're trying to get rid of, get rid of all your cards. There is one kind of interesting thing that happens in the game is when you have the same number as someone else, they can actually add up and, and like you pair with the other people that have that same number. So if I play a two, you play a two, then now we both effectively have a four. Okay, um, interesting. It we played it with like three or four people, and it you know it just didn't didn't quite work out for me for lower player count. But the person that brought it said that it's a little bit more interesting at a higher player count. So I would. I would be interested to try it one more time at a higher player count, and uh, that's uh, Fuji. It's just literally cards and numbers? Cards with numbers, yeah. Um, I believe every card had a different color to it, and I think the number range was maybe like 1 to 20. Yeah, I Uh, see a 16 in here. And so there were a lot of of 1s, a lot of 2s, a lot of 3s, but then the numbers tapered off as you got higher numbers. It's really interesting to see a, sorry to cut you off, but to see a designer board game, like a like a stronghold publishing a game that's literally just cards and numbers on them. You know, there, there is a, there, there's a class of people that really likes games, like just straight up cards with numbers. Yeah. On. Yeah. Um, and, and there's, you know, it's tough to, it's tough to stand out there. Um, but there are some that just do really well. Um, and I think have kind of like the, they sneak into that evergreen category, but mm-hmm. I hear people recommending them all the time. Like, yep, that, that publisher nailed it. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a really, like, I would be so scared to try to go into that market because it's like, what's the sell on that game? Like, just looking at the game, like, 
the picture that I'm looking at is a person's hand who has five cards and they just have numbers on them. Like, I don't even know how you sell that. Yeah, like, it. I think it resonates with with card players. So if sure. people play, you know, like transitional grid, games. Yeah, it's a transitional game. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, that's Fuji Flush. Awesome. Yeah. Um. One one thing of feedback that we got is that we um should move quicker through some of the games that we we've been playing. So. Um, luckily I didn't play a lot this week, so, <laughs> um, that should be pretty easy with my game. Uh, and my, the game that I played actually just played today is, um, the, the ultimate God, how did I not think of that game? Um, code names. So sure. nothing crazy here. You have ultimate party game. You have the cards on the table and your team is assigned 25 cards out there. Your team is assigned a certain amount of them. You're trying to get the other team to guess the words. Um, using related words. So great party game. Very simple. I'm pretty sure everyone listening to this podcast is probably going to have seen or heard of code names. So I don't have to go too far into it, but sure. Great what, game. Uh, Highly recommend what, it. What was the most that somebody got on your playthrough? Uh, oh, I think we got like a three. Threes are good. Cool. Yeah, but it, I, I think it might have been a scenario where um, like the one before I said two and they didn't get it. And then they didn't get either of them and then by their next round they got it like they're like oh it's clearly these two so then you know how you can pick extra words so i gave them a higher number so then they were allowed to go for the other words so it's kind of like a not like in one perfect run but three things were placed in one round so lay the runway sure exactly it's, it's still tough i I mean, they they can they can print that game for for days. They can use Infinity. any any given theme. I I will yep. still I will still play it. Like it's fun. It just yeah, it's so simple. The right things. It's the ultimate like it. Well, and it's like you can play in a huge group too, which is awesome. Like you get that group think of like, oh, it's this word, and then you give people arguing. Like, yep. It's it's a rare it's a it's a uh, rarity game for sure. It, it makes you feel clever. It's got guessing, which has high excitement, exciting moments. Yep. Um, they they could literally make like American politics code names, and I would play it. Yeah, probably that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> I'd pick it up. <laughs> I probably pick that one up too. <laughs> We'll see it at um, Gen Con next year. Maybe yeah. that's it. If it's they probably after they heard us, they probably instantly started printing it. Yep, just hit the button, print just it, and go. ship it. Make words. Um, but yeah, so let's get into our pitch. We actually got a pitch in this week. Um, Adam, I think you have actually played this before, so I'll let you um, give the overview here. Yeah, so um, just real quick, uh, we're pretty flexible at how the pitches come in. Um, it's, I, I think I. I prefer an audio clip to come in because mm-hmm. we can actually hear the designer read it. And I think you have to, you, you have to think about conveying the pitch in a way mm-hmm. that is digestible in, in about two minutes. And it's not like a 30 second pitch because that's just super quick. Yeah. Did you get my attention? This is more like, did you get my attention and give me some context behind that too? So, um, yeah. but anyway, I think uh, and this, this is an audio format. So audio. this is audio. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to just read through the sell sheet because I think it does a pretty good job of calling out, uh, the things. Mm-hmm. So the game is called Jamboree. Uh, the, and this is designed by, um, a local designer, Marson from, uh, the twin cities. The gem merchants expo is in town, giving you the perfect opportunity to expand your magical gem collection. Will you trade your gems, uh, using their intrinsic value or will you use their magical properties to broker a better deal? 
Jamboree plays uh, two to five players in 15 minutes, ages 10 and up. Three minutes to teach, 15 minutes to play, and it has strategic gameplay. The goal of the game is to have the most cards in your hand at the end of the game. Mechanisms are hand management. This is a card game, 46 cards, some reference cards, and some tokens. Um, The way that the game plays is... We were just talking about numbers on cards games. This is Mm -hmm. kind of like that. It has numbers on cards. It has actions on cards. What you're doing in the game is you're playing a card from your hand to any existing stack of cards. Now, in this game, there will be um, anywhere between, I think, two and five stacks of cards. So think of these as a column of cards. Where you can see the numbers on each stack. That's right. So you can see all the numbers, um, and you'll just see a bunch of numbers from top to bottom within the stack. Um, What you do when you play that card... You collect cards by using your card's value or its ability. So every card has a value and an ability. Now, to use the card's value, collect cards from the front of a single stack. The sum of the collected card's values cannot exceed the value of the card you played. You may spend reputation to increase the value. Collect reputation equal to the difference. Okay. So if you're using the, the value of a card, that means you are place, placing it on a stack of cards. You are collecting um, one, two, or three or more cards uh, this, you know, that has a sum less than or equal to the card that you played. Mm-hmm. The second thing you can do is use the ability of the card. That allows you to interact with other columns or stacks and potentially other players as well. Once a stack is gone, uh, once a column or a stack is gone from the game, Uh, The game starts to condense once, um, I believe once you are down to maybe two columns or one column, that's when the game ends. Yeah, so um, this is really interesting. It's kind of funny. We were just talking about numbers on cards, right? Yeah, Um, good lead-in. Good segue. uh, It's almost like we planned it. Um, I wish we did. But I think we're going to try to post a link to this if if we can, so just because obviously this is an audio format and just kind of seeing the visuals is going to help. Um, but one of the interesting things, we talked about a game that was just cards, but then looking at this game, it looks like a game that would be just cards, but then there's tokens and, well, I guess there's tokens as well. So you have like a, an additional resource. So you have your hand management and this additional resource, which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, one point that I didn't read, I should have. You may spend five reputation or these five tokens at the end, end of your turn to take another turn. And that could be a pretty cool moment. Like with 20 total tokens. So that's, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. 20 total tokens in the game. Um, so full disclosure, I have played this game and played it at Protospiel last year. Um, and it was in this format. It was, you know, there, there is graphic design on the game, which, uh, is clean. It's pretty easy to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the colors are friendly, I would say. Yep. Um, the the artwork is simple, minimalist, and, you know, picture like gems, but minimalist gems. Um, the, game, the game popped for me in that I thought it had strategy. So when I was playing a card, I had, first off, on my turn, I had a lot of decisions in front of me. I could uh, use the action or play to, to a number. Um, but as the game goes on, some of those decisions start to condense. Oh, sure, because um, you have less options. Less options, um, but you have more cards in your hand. So, you, so mm-hmm. like the the number of places you oh, can play interesting. closes, but yeah. the number of cards in your hand expands. I think it's really neat to actually to try to have the most cards in your hand at the end of the game. Um, the the collapsing stack of columns I thought was interesting. 
um, there was definitely a little bit of like a little bit of uh, learning curve to that because I hadn't played played a game where you you know you started with like five columns and as the game went dynamically on, you could go down to four and down to three and down to two and mm-hmm. it wasn't a, a, a constructed uh, way to do so. It was like very fluid. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, and. And so I, I thought, you know, again, it had some strategy. It was um, simple enough. Uh, it had a little meat on the bone. Um, I liked it. I thought it was cool. I would definitely play it again. Yeah, one really interesting thing is that um, this kind of, when I first saw this and read the rules, um, the, it reminded me of the Illimat game that we talked about last week that I didn't really like. Sure. <laughs> um, because you are placing a card and trying to collect cards. I think where this um, is a little bit better, one, it doesn't have face cards, which is just a personal preference for me it just numbers the cards um but it also um it doesn't make you like that game you had to do exact numbers so not that the math was that hard but in this it's like oh you can take numbers up to so if i have a 12 i can take a 10 and a 2 or i could take a 5 and a 5 and if the next number is a 3 i wouldn't be able to take that so um i think there's a little more versatility there but yeah I think I think it's a really good looking game. Um, I, one of the things that you um, you'd have to see visually is that the numbers are on the card in top right and left corner, but flipped. So if you're sitting on the opposite side of the table, which I think is a really interesting and smart design choice to kind of make it very easy for people around the whole table to read the numbers. Um, but yeah, it seems like an interesting idea. I think the the name doesn't do much for me. Fair enough. Jamboree. Yeah. Um, and the theme, I guess I'm not... I guess it's a light game, right? Like, what like what does Fuji Flush have to do with um, you know, the, the overall theme, I guess? Like, Great point. I mean, so, a, a lighter game, you know, I think just needs to... I, I think it, it needs to have a hook. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Fuji Flush has an alliteration, which yep. I think is kind of a name hook. Um, and I think Jamboree could... Uh, that you could actually benefit from from leaning into a name that has a little bit more, um, like it's a little more memorable, or it has an mm-hmm. alliteration, or I think the pun is cute. Uh, yep. But to me, Jimbery is actually not a word that I think it's Jimbery is not is not a word that I, I know how to spell. Yep. Um, and that you know that is a claim on my intelligence, but you know at the same time, like, <laughs> I think a lot of other people are probably going to be in the same boat. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, having a name where it's a little easier to um, to get it right away. I mean, I, you, you see like, oh, Jamboree. And I, I feel like it's a name that like when you say it, like if, if you're saying it quietly or, you you know, there's a way that you can say it where they go, what did you say? <laughs> like, like I get it. It's a play on words, but um, I don't know. Just just not super sold on it. Yeah. In 15 minutes. That sounds like it's really fast. It. It it is pretty fast. Um, I remember I remember particularly feeling feeling very powerful playing this game, mm-hmm. especially getting to that last turn because I had built up a lot of resources. I had just enough to, so I could take a second turn and like I think I got like four cards in one. Uh, Does it in, slow in down? Hand. No, it Does actually it slow down at the end. Uh, I don't think it slows down, but but I think that it's a balance of like more decisions in your hand, less decisions mm-hmm. on the table, and it kind of yeah. stays at the same pace. Sure, it's like the same amount. It just like the the power just transfers from one spot to the other. That's kind of that's that's really interesting, actually. Yeah, I I think um, so so uh, one other thing I, I want to talk about. So, wh- where's the hook in this game, right? Like, 
we talked about like the name the name could be the hook i think that Mm -hmm. um this game's tough to explain to someone yeah so yeah i i would really uh, and then this is this is directed at marson marson think about a way that you can that, that you can convey this game um really easily to someone and it may be actually leading into some some theme uh, that helps you convey it. So maybe collecting gems is a theme that actually uh, helps you convey it, and utilizing those words to to draw the connections with people. Um, and I think up topic, you do that pretty well. So will you trade your gems using the intrinsic intrinsic value, or will you use your magic properties to broker a better deal? So if I actually go back to that statement, like that does it pretty well. Yeah, um, but that, sure. that didn't like that didn't stay with me as I was reading the uh, the gameplay and the the goal and mechanisms. Yeah, because it's kind of interesting because you have the number. Like, if, if you just explain, oh, how the number mechanics work, I think that is pretty straightforward. But then you you insert the action and this reputation token. So, like, there's the reputation token seems to only modify the number itself. So, I guess I shouldn't couple it with the action. But I get it; those things are there for depth. But at the same time, I think it's kind of interesting that like I feel like it's so close. Obviously not having played it, but just looking at it, I see like, oh, the number mechanic seems pretty awesome and the action seems pretty awesome. Like, what is the gain of these, just ha- like putting tokens in the box? Yeah. And maybe that's just me chasing after my our white whale of a card-only game, but... <laughs> that is you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do think that um, you could lean into a cool-looking token that could help mm-hmm. sell this game, and that, that may actually be oh, one sure. of the yeah. hooks of... Th- that's a really good point. Like, this... Like maybe the gem actually isn't the right token because it's not unique enough. Maybe mm-hmm. you need to think about a theme that has a injection molded thing that can be really different and unique and just eye catching. Like gems, I think are somewhat eye catching, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of games that have them because they're somewhat standard components. So maybe if you desandardize that component and go in a different direction, like you might actually have a better luck creating that visual um, than in component for uh, for people. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great call. Um, having something on the table that is not just the cards that are going to pop, but here is the other component that is moving around. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so that was Jamboree by, I'm um, sorry, Marson. Yeah, thank you, Marson. So, thank you for sending that in. Um, and like I said, we'll try to get that PDF posted somewhere so people can see that in a visual format. So. Yeah. What, one more thing I will say, too, is, I mean, like, you play a bunch of stuff at Protospiel as a publisher mm-hmm. this was a publisher ready game for sure but yeah totally yeah i mean the polish to the sell sheet is awesome so yeah um, quick to the point I, I think just honing in on some of the things we said about the hooks um are, mm-hmm. are going to help and uh, marson he's he also said in the email like he was open to a retheme he talked about bottle caps like knowing where sure. you know, what we do so <laughs> yeah i really like that um i think we should do a whole episode on retheming because uh, in the future that would be a great uh, yeah. a great conversation to have and a great conversation for a designer, especially to hear what a publisher's going through the mind when mm-hmm. they're thinking about a retheme. Yeah. This is really interesting, right? Because I feel like a sell sheet, I guess I'm, you know, um, I'm trying to think of like sell sheets I've seen and like, what would the box cover for this be like as it exists? Right. I feel like that should be a, a pivotal part of a sell sheet because, um, because that's what's going to get people to pick up the box. Right. Like, this sell sheet is an amazing back of the box. And I guess that's what most of them really are. But like, cause you're trying to sell to typically, uh, um, 
a publisher or a store or something like that. But at the same time, like having like your vision for what that front of the box maybe. I mean, I, and maybe not because that's like oh, you have to go get art for that as well. So I guess it depends on who this is marketed towards, right? Yeah, I, I mean, like we're, we're kind of spoiled here because like I, this has a lot of graphic design on it and it, it's mm-hmm. pretty polished, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we want more. We want to see like what does the box cover look like? I know. Um, yeah, totally. You're right. Like I, it's like right there. So I'm like, man, what is it? like? Yeah, maybe if the box is awesome, it totally sell me. Like you know. So I mean, art art style wise, I mean, we we can comment on art style too. I my personal opinion on this one says I think the art is cute and neat, but I I mm-hmm. wouldn't publish it with this art style. And why would you say that? Um, well, I think everything everything's good. Like the Doesn't colors stand are out. good. Uh, but it doesn't jump off the shelf like gems to me need yeah. to have like beautiful flash um and um like uh what do they call them starbursts like they need to be just beautiful looking and i think this is sure. like graphic designer uh, minimalist and so like this could work on a different theme really well but for gems i would go uh more hand-painted art okay sure i can see that yeah uh awesome so once again that was jembery yes um, so, as we mentioned last week, as part of our um, few things we wanted to talk about and then ran out of time and still went massively overboard, um, we want to talk about Essen. Essen. So, Essen Spiel is a, for those who don't know, um, if you're listening to the podcast, you might be in the know already, um, huge board gaming um, and I guess just like toy convention as well, right? In yes. Essen, Germany. In Essen, Germany, um, it is Europe's largest gaming convention um, i'm so excited it is a consumer uh and and um, new release convention it is, it is not necessarily a go and play a bunch of stuff convention um but i'm gonna buy so much stuff other than that like we're greenhorns right we haven't yep. been um we don't know too much about it we got uh the, the back the backstory here is that coming out of gen con um i met with the manufacturer that we work with uh, boda manufacturing over in uh in china and uh, the owner met with me and said, hey, like, I remember you talking about potentially being interested in SNY. I have a contact that has a, a small booth that they could sell to you. And I said, hey, uh, this might be crazy, but I'm in. Like, I, I just need to say yes to this opportunity. Swordcrafters is um, mm-hmm. on a high, uh, you know, like a good trajectory this year. Yep. Where it's really good timing. And why not make a splash at Essen as well? Um. So after saying yes, like, holy crap, this, this, this whirlwind <laughs> of like craziness just hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it was just trying to, uh, it's not hurting cats, but it's like a fish out of wa- fish out of water. That's maybe yeah. the best analogy at this point. I don't know what I don't know. And I don't know the challenges that are going to come up in essence. So, um, you know, of course, like yeah. traveling overseas is a big challenge, but like, yep. holy crap, how do you plan for a convention in Germany, let alone a convention in uh, Minnesota, let alone a convention in Indianapolis? So this takes it to the complete next level. Yeah, for sure. We've, I mean, obviously been to Gen Con or just smaller cons local. Um, and like having done those a couple of times, like, you know, we're, we're getting in a groove like, oh, this is how we do Gen Con. These are the things we should do. This is what makes it easier and better. And this is just like, oh, let's, go across the pond and go to a whole new country and like how do we get tables like just like the simple things like we can bring a u-haul to because we're in the midwest we can just bring a huge u-haul right to gen con and now this is like okay um 
what did the tablecloths look like? Can we do this there? Is this illegal? Like <laughs> different things that you have to think of. Yeah, and and you know they keep coming up, and and it's been. It, it has been very challenging getting a straight answer from anybody, especially not being uh, completely linked in with the right contacts. Because um, mm-hmm. I'm going through a third party, I'm going through this other publisher that is, you know, selling me a, a booth space. Yeah, it's like a friend of a friend type situation. So, yep, trying to get as much info as you can. So, like just in general prep, I mean, I think a lot of the things that we're doing are very similar, like posters and. Um, what, are the, what does the booth look like? What kind of presence can we bring to the booth? What games are we going to show? Right. Um, but it all just turns into a, how much of that can fit in the luggage? Yeah. So <laughs> like let's condensing it, it right? Bit because there are two strategies here. You can try to reproduce everything in Europe. So we, mm-hmm. we can make posters in Europe. We can purchase a booth in Europe. We can purchase tables. We can purchase tablecloths. We can get it all there. Um that being they said, have all like, those things. Like we are not experts at the German market, yep. uh, even where to shop. Like I know IKEA, right? Yep. That's about it. Like that's what I have. That that is what I can bring to the table. So so we said, okay, well, what can we maybe pull off if we work within that frame of context? What what are the requirements to check a bag uh, with our yeah. airlines? Like how big of a bag can we bring? We think we can fit most of the stuff that we need to bring uh, in about two checked bags like convention wise mm-hmm. and this is extremely minimalist minimalist convention approach so yep. we're, we're literally just bringing the smallest booth setup that we um, can fit into the bag that still looks substantial enough and we're bringing um about 30 copies of truck off in a suitcase Yep, so big posters <laughs> and some and... big posters and some table <laughs> and cloths, a suitcase full of games Yep, a suitcase full of games, business cards, tablecloths, um, and and our booth setup. And we're going to buy tables when we get there. So that was kind of the recommendation. Um, One of the big things that I found is that if you don't know what to do and you're not getting uh, help from the the right folks, then you need to reach out to someone else. So I started talking Mm -hmm. to some other publishers and people that have been to Essen before in the same boat as us. And they've been super helpful along the way. One of the big, biggest things I've found out is like, Hey, um, we, we can just use our same credit card processing tool, right? Yeah. No, <laughs> glad we looked into that. <laughs> credit card processing overseas is insane. Like, yeah. So we originally planned, I mean, we use square normally at Gen Con and other conventions cause it's a wonderful tool that works on phones. And, um, couple days ago i'm like i should look into this just to make sure yeah, and that's not work? right on their site it says no this does not work it doesn't work <laughs> i'm like oh so okay so i went and then researched a bunch um i thought i had it figured out ordered a paypal here card processor also mm-hmm. that doesn't work out of the country either oh no wait so we have to like <laughs> go to like a wall of german walgreens and so <laughs> something so the the reality is like to cre- to process a credit card overseas you need uh essentially a bank account in mm-hmm. an address in that country and like the equivalent of a social security number in the country. Interesting. <laughs> so, uh, the good news is after reaching out to some of these other publishers, they're like, Nope, all the small guys just bring uh, cash only. And they, they say it's cash only. Oh, and, really? Yeah. Interesting. And apparently the, um, especially Germany is very reliant on cash. So, um, sure. We'll see if that holds true. Uh, worst case scenario, we could always ask someone to process a payment on the website. Our website, uh, will yeah. take different, currency is that's fine um and then we can hand over the game or ship the game either one 
this is like a business opportunity. I feel like oh, big time. Like, like like the mob should be laundering money through this or something. Yeah, it seems like a money laundering. <laughs> oh man okay that's not great where my mind went on that um, so so that's kind of what we're bringing right so kind of compact um as much stuff as we can fit in bags but still try to bring as much presence as we can yeah i think we're in a good spot where the game itself sword crafters brings a lot of presence so uh, i think that is really helpful for us in general but yeah what one thing to note too is that there's been a lot of dice rolls and we'll see i mean this may be a great storytelling moment uh, in the future, but like even getting games to Essen on time has been a dice roll. I, I think right now it's probably a 50 50 shot if these things get there on time. Like it's in the German port, it is processing through customs, and we're leaving on a flight on Tuesday. That is to the nuts. <laughs> yeah. Cutting it too close, like for comfort. Like I am stressing out. I hope it goes well. Even if it doesn't, we kind of have a backup plan to make the best of it. But mm-hmm. man, like. Worst case scenario, I'm walking around and buying a ton of toys for my daughter. Yeah. So well, yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll leave one person in the booth and say, uh. so, so we're bringing, so I, so I put the call out to the friend group and, um, uh, game designer, Ryan Lambert that I worked in the past coworker friend. Um, and people, people, uh, bucked up. They said, yeah, I'd love to take a trip to Germany. So yeah, I helped, uh, I helped out a little bit with, uh, flight costs, but, um, I think it's going to be fun. Like I think, I'm excited. No, it's gonna be awesome. I'm nervous, but I'm, I'm I'm super excited to just get get you know get back together with the gang and just you know some of the people some of these people haven't been to a board game convention before, so it'll be really cool for them to experience it for the first time. That being said, they're going to be um, busy and working the booth as well, so like you know it'll be a, a grain of salt kind of situation, but it'll be cool. Yeah, realis- realistically, I imagine the worst case scenario even being fun. Like, oh yeah, totally. Outside of like a weird hostile murder situation. I think we'll be, we're going to have a good time. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and that kind of parlays really nicely into what are our goals at Essen. I think we're just going in with an open mind. We just want to meet a bunch of new um, networking contacts. Mm-hmm. Like there's, holy crap, the media at Essen is like times 10 compared to the media at uh, Gen Con. So I have literally gotten two to three emails asking for review copies or pre, um, pre-work or pre-marketing to Essen and and like they're all you know 2,000 3,000 4,000 5,000 plus subs uh so so like in the U.S. market these would be like you know mid-tier at minimum Mm -hmm. to maybe even broaching some of the top tiers uh on some of these as well so like these are these are not small players in the media reaching out and asking for uh you know connections or meetings or what whatnot um, or a review, you know, a game to review. And they're coming from all over the world. Like, I got one from uh, South Korea the other day. I'm like, dude, that is awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, this is going to be a great opportunity to hopefully just get our game into more hands and eyes that we normally wouldn't just coming from. I mean, because Gen Con does pull in, like, a decent amount of publishers and stuff and a couple people from around the world. But obviously, this is... A whole new continent, it seems you know, like so. the Mecca. And there are ele- there are seven gaming halls compared to Gen Con's one exhibitor hall. Um, seven exhibitor halls versus one. Now I think Essen is smaller per exhibitor hall, but um, mm-hmm. it. I think it's going to be big. Now we're in yeah, hall I've heard two, two to three times bigger, right? Like, yeah, we're in hall two, uh, which is apparently one of the highest traffic halls. So I'm super excited about that. Uh, I feel very fortunate to be in there mm-hmm. and just hoping to make the best out of it. No, it's 
yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um, so kind of talk through our goals, assembling the team. Um, like Adam kind of mentioned, we just put the call out to people and said, Hey, who wants to do this? Yeah. Um, he mess he messaged me about it. And I'm like, e- let me ask my wife and 30 minutes later buying tickets. Like yeah, that's crazy. I'm pretty quick. It's kind of an ocean's 11 situation though. I mean, we're like, who can oh, join, is. you know, we need the ringer. We got the we sales need, guy. Yeah, the sales we got guy. the, <laughs> it's like the A team of, if it was the A team, I think I'd be, I mean, our, our Gen Con stuff. I'd like to be Mr. T. Is, but... is, is, uh, it's pretty tough to compare to how awesome they are. Um, for sure. This is more like tapping into kind of like the hometown friend group. Uh, yep. So it'll be a little more ragtag, you know, these people, uh, these friends are like, Oh, are you going to teach us sword crafters? I'm like, yeah, you know, they all, no, they live luck. all over the country. Right. So it's, yeah, it's yep. tough to connect. We have one guy coming in from Thailand. Like, come on, yep. this is everywhere. It's nuts. Um, yeah. So you kind of mentioned coordinating logistics. So that's the thing that, um, we're still, we'll see how that pans out. Right. Yeah. So that's still happening. The so games will hopefully be there. I want to say something about this real quick. So the court, the coordinating logistics is essentially a five person SUV. We're all hitting the, the ground in Frankfurt at the same time from different locations on, on four out of five flights or th- sorry, three out of yep. four different flights. And man, like there is so much potential for mistake here or like delay. But, God, I'm hoping my flight's not delayed. My my biggest fear is having to take a train. And I know that's not a big deal, it, but like I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the research and and send out the links so that it'll be mm-hmm. seamless if it has to happen. But yeah, oh, it's not gonna happen. My plane's gonna be on time. Your plane's gonna God, be on I time. So. Yeah. Uh, the car's gonna be there, picked up, ready, wait, waiting for you. Wait, exactly. Get right in. Go to IKEA and go to Essen. Um, yeah. So just I mean. We're coordinating, obviously. I'm trying to figure all that out. Um, what games are we bringing? So, Sword Crafters, obviously, is going to be on demo there. Yep. Um, Adam is smuggling in some truck offs. We're smuggling in some which, truck offs. We, which uh... is going to be interesting because um, we're interested to see how food trucks work in Europe. Like how, like how well does that that go that goes over? You hey, know? Man, I've had people ask for it. They said, "Are you bringing yeah. truck off?" And so, so I said, "Well, maybe we should bring some truck off." Yeah, it makes sense. Um, um, why not? So and then Taproom Takeover oh, is also going to be there. Um, we advertise this on the SN, uh, SN list. Um, that game is that game is still evolving, and it, it is it is not in a published ready state right now, in my opinion. But it is a it, it is a very strong candidate right now, mm-hmm. and so we're going to show the uh, the strength of that uh, and let some people play it. But it probably won't take up a whole demo table the entire con. No, probably not. And then the new one, um, Eigenstate, which now we yep. have. Do you want to actually announce the new name? Do we say it? We can do that. This is it. World premiere. World premiere. This is insert people who are old enough. Um, MTV world premiere soundtrack. Remember those? <laughs> like right before, that's a big deal. Like, oh, this is gonna be the first time I ever see this music video. Yeah, man. The first. Okay, time. sorry. Here we go. Bananas. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, you do it. I'll you do it. it. Okay. So um, we, we picked the name Thrive. Uh, and, and this is picked off of um, kind of the or, the organic uh, uh, gameplay curve that this game yep. has. So every piece starts out. It's all the same, but each piece gets stronger and stronger and stronger as the game goes on. And the theme of the game is going to be based on the evolution of the Lotus Flower. So the lotus flower yes. is going to be, you know, taking over the pond and thriving in its environment. Yeah, it's the in, in my mind, it's the perfect word uh, that melds organic 
and light competition. Yeah, I mean, there's like, definitely combat in this game, but it's yes. you know, it's 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 positive focus versus negative exactly. focus. It's not killing. It's like we're thriving. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so we're bringing all that stuff. So it's gonna be a pretty um, tight boot. But I think we'll probably do like a, maybe more like a rotation of it. We'll, even. we'll do knows? a rotation. Yeah, we we have enough yeah. games right now where we um, we're not. We're not hamstringed to put them all out there at all, all times, all, you know, mm-hmm. the, the entire con. I think we can now shuffle through them and um, see yeah. what's resonating, too, because we definitely have had good good success in the past where we'll put it out there for a day and see how it does, and then we'll mm-hmm. change if it doesn't work um, yeah. and make an improvement, either on the same game or pivot to another game. So we've had success on both different areas. Yeah, and that's a skill set learned from a 10-foot booth. Yep. So um, if if anyone out there knows a hookup on a 20 at Gen Con, we, we, we would be happy to lose that skill and put everything out. So. Yeah, that's right. Um, labeling requirements. I think that's an interesting one to talk through and since we're running low on time. Yeah, I would say we wrap up after here. But um, yep. So this is um, this just in. I still don't know the official word here, but um, apparently the German Toy and Games Commission... Um, kind of like the FDA, but for Germany, but for toys, um, mm-hmm. you know, has yeah. has very strict labeling requirements. At 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 the Essen Spiel, what they're what, what they require is, um, they require two things. So the, so the zero to three choking hazard sticker has to be on there, but it has to be in German with the the German text next to it. Interesting. And you also need to have a German uh, logistics uh, like a location of business on your game too. Which, of course, we, we don't operate in Germany, so uh, yeah. we need to figure that one out. Yeah, this is, uh, I guess, my new worst-case scenario is that we get shut down by the government, which is kind of kind of cool if you think about it. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes <laughs> the, the product twice as valuable. Exactly. Oh, man, everyone's – we'll be selling it out the back of a van. Yeah. <laughs> you wanna, if you want some swords, you come to the back of Essenspiel. Exactly. <laughs> That's funny. So yeah, I mean that's a, that's the thing. Like we just would like, it's a weird thing to think of, right? Like when yeah. you make a game for um, the global market, it it may be a little more um, common. I don't say common knowledge, but you know you just may know that bit of information. It's more but... standardized. You can pick up a game in the U.S. and see mm-hmm. what's on the back and say I'm going to do the same thing. But now we're now exactly. we're dabbling in the global market, and the reality is we don't have a booth in in. Uh, in Europe, or we don't have a, a company location yeah. in Europe, so um, we need to uh, be able to adapt. Now, it does sound like they have they, they went through this issue last year, and they actually started providing mm-hmm. stickers to publishers oh, that didn't have this there. So, sounds like they're they're going to be there uh, doing that as well. But I'd I'd rather be safe than sorry, and bring our own yeah. labels and stickers, yep. so that we can um, put labels on our games and. Um, then we can sell them fine. Um, one other thing I want to talk about too, that we may be a violator on is uh, for a age fourteen and up game. It seems mm-hmm. like there are less rules and requirements for a an age thirteen and below game. It seems like they mm-hmm. have higher restrictions on rules and requirements now. On a game that has fourteen and up, it, the the big differentiator seems to be, and I, again, like I'm kind of interpreting all this stuff. So yep. don't take it to the grave with you. Um, mm-hmm. But it seems to be that you need to have a an, an instruction manual that is in German. Okay. Young, for the younger age? For the younger age. Interesting. Um, now, I'm... In the box? If somebody, if somebody calls us on that, I'm just going to say that the rule book is not a manual. It's not a product manual. Sure. You know? It's only two pages. 
Well, you, just, you know what I mean, though? Like, this is, we're, yeah. we're not t- talking about setting up a toy. Yeah. Oh, sure. No, no we're I think, that, I think that's a fair. How to play. How to play is different oh, yes. than an instruction manual, in my opinion. So, I and think... I, th- I think that's a huge thing about um, SN that um, I keep forgetting is that it's not just board games. Right. So, I, I don't know if we're going to be able to. First off, do we get flagged? Second, mm-hmm. do we get. If we get flagged, can we um, use that exception? Or argue an exception. And third, even if we get flagged, can we still sell games? Like in, in you know, like, like when I think the argument away, will be. I, I don't know. I mean, if someone comes up and goes, "Hey, does this have a thing?" I'm like, "Oh, I don't know. I just sell it." Yeah. And they're gonna be like, "Oh, your name's on the box." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, but I didn't package it, so you're gonna have to buy one to open it because I don't have one in front of me." Right. Exactly. So try to get the sale out well, of it and, at least. And I think they probably would skirt around that and say, "No, sorry, we're, uh, we're yeah. a federal organization." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll cut that out. But anyway, these are kind of the, the risks and concerns that we've been dealing yep. with, and um, you know, we'll probably be able to talk more um, more correctly to this when we get back. Uh, yeah, I guess if you if you hear a live podcast that we put up as we're getting um, arrested, yes, well, you might know. <laughs> um, you know, and, and the other thing to think about too is is uh, German Germany has in, in, in Europe has VAT, so value added tax. Mm-hmm. So when somebody sells something in, in Germany uh, or in, in Europe, um, they, they they might say like fifty euros is the price, right? Nineteen percent of that is VAT. Now. What I'm not sure about yet as a uh, publisher selling, as a seller of stuff, mm-hmm. do you add the VAT on after the sale price or do you is oh, it included? Sure. Can, you, can you just roll it can up? Can you roll it up, yeah. yeah. Now, mm-hmm. we're going to be required to pay that tax back. And so my, my gut says you, we need to roll it up or we, we definitely need to charge VAT. Um, but we've advertised the game at, at 45 euros, which is about $50. Um, so equivalent mm-hmm. to the U.S. pricing. Do we need to actually bump that up to include VAT or not? So I'm, I'm not, I just, oh, sure. just want to understand from like kind of the European consumer how they how do they expect to see that? As a U.S. consumer, I would expect to see. Actually, we we add tax afterwards, so like, you know, if there's tax like fifty bucks, well, hey, there's plus tax. You know, that happens. Yeah. So I, I guess yeah. that's what I would expect, but maybe I mean Europe's kind of backwards on some stuff and more so more forwards in a lot of things yeah, if, you, I would say if you really think about it i would say forwards yeah because they're more correct <laughs> yeah. in the way that they handle a lot of things but we we tend to into you know um skew them and then we have this you know crazy perception of stuff so anyway yep um so yeah so sorry for going over yeah. again on everyone but i think we talked about some good stuff so um thanks for um tuning in um adam any parting words or anything you want to uh, if you have pitches to send, um, send them to Adam at yes. adamsapplegames.com. Audio pitches are best. Uh, we can read through stuff. Otherwise, you can find us um, facebook.com slash adamsapplegames or on Twitter yep. at adamsapplegames or via email, like I said, adam at adamsapplegames. You, you got questions, let us know. We'll, we'll do our best to help you. Um, we have – we're trying to we're, we're trying to connect with people. So, you know – that's the yep. purpose of the, this podcast. If you have, if you want to reach out, we'll um, we'll definitely connect with you. So, yeah, and if you're at um, Essen, please yes. stop by Hall B. Um, Sorry, top left corner Hall of the two, map is what I remember. Three. Hall two B one hundred three. C one hundred three. C one hundred three. Okay, so yeah, stop by if, if you can. Cool. cool. Thanks, everyone. Jack them. Jack them. <laughs> <laughs>